It's Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 610 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 41 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Mary. I'm Wayne. And this is Julia. All right, the Fear of the Con 2023 Kickstarter is still out there and still live. It's out. It's live. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. That's right. And it's going to remain live through about April 5th or 6th, depending on exactly which time zone you're in. So we'll call it April 5th just to be safe. So the dates, once again, will be June 15th for the Social Mixer, the Mikey Mason Comedy Show, and possibly a wing night. And then June 16th and 17th will be the Days of Gaming. So there's your three days to mark on your calendar. We hope you guys will back the Kickstarter. But even if you can't for some reason, we still hope that you will come out and join us for the convention. So be sure to check the show notes for a link to that. And in terms of location of the con, it'll be the same place we've had it the past couple of years. So it'll be at the Drury Inn in Brentwood, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis. And for the people who always ask, no, it is not a dangerous part of town. <laughs> we get that question nice. every no, year. It is, it is quite nice. It is a yes. very nice part of town. We get that question every year because we say St. Louis and people immediately imagine the worst possible places. The worst parts of East St. Louis. Yeah. No, it's really yeah. not that. The majority yeah. of St. Louis is not like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're between a Trader Joe's and a Whole Foods. Yeah. Like, you can't really, like, get any more. Like... It's almost Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> it really yeah. All right. So... For several years now, I've been playing this West March's D&D game with my family, or mostly family. There's a couple friends and some in-laws thrown in there, but it's mostly family. And this group includes both of my local nephews, who in the course of the game have, I mean, obviously like the rest of us, aged a couple of years. But for them being younger, these couple of years have brought about much more significant change in their lives and neurology and whatever than they have in ours Uh, not to say things have not happened to the rest of us but say between the ages of 44 and 47 i have changed a lot less than someone would between the ages of 10 and 13 and so the youngest of my local nephews who for the sake of this episode we are going to pseudonym as sam because he's relatively young so i don't feel comfortable giving his real name we were playing and Almost everyone in the group runs. All right. So we rotate GMs and almost everybody that participates also game masters and Sam is no exception. So Sam was running our most recent game. Now to set this up, the game starts in the hometown where all of this campaign is occurring from. Because it's about this big area of land that has all these stories and all these adventures and all these things going on. And we each take our own little piece of it and tell our stories in it and, you know, just keep the whole thing going. But the characters generally return to one hometown that represents their base of operations and where the major merchants are and major NPCs are. And it's a town called Ghostbrook. And needless to say, getting past between a lot of GMs, Ghostbrook has seen a very, very storied (laughs) couple of years. (laughs) So Sam is running the most recent game. He says that we get called in by the town's duke. Okay, So we go and talk to the duke. And the duke said, well, there's been some people disappearing and some stuff going on. 
So he kind of wants us to poke around town and see what's up. Well, eventually, we find out that beneath the town is a network of tunnels that have been dug out by a colony of mole people. All right, which I'm sure there are stats for some kind of a mole <laughs> person in D&D. He made up his own, and he I think he largely took the stats from another monster. I forget which one. It was like lizard men or something to that effect. Mm. But And just recreated them or repurposed the, the stat template to represent mole people. Literal mole people. Literal mole people. And this game spawned several thoughts in my mind that I want to hit on in this episode. I've got to start off with this. New people mix things up in wonderful and beautiful ways that I I don't even know how to put this, except to say that if you do not game with people that are new to the hobby, you are missing out on a hell of an experience. And I'm not saying this in terms of growing the hobby or sustaining the hobby's population. Yeah, this or, is purely personal, like... You, like, yes. you're, you're missing out just you. <laughs> yes, you're, you're missing out a level of entertainment yeah. that you would otherwise get. I'm all in favor of growing the hobby, but that's not what I'm talking about mm-hmm. here. Now, an example of how this works outside of gaming, before I get to how this works in gaming, I was talking to a martial arts trainer who said that whenever they get in new students, like brand new students, it's their first day, and they do that demonstration of, okay, who here thinks they can take me, and they spar on the mat to get everyone's attention, that he was talking about how when he's teaching these classes, that he and the black belt students or higher belted students that are assisting him love sparring the new blood for the the reason that the people that have been there, even, let's say, just a little bit of time, They've fallen into a series of moves or a a catalog. They're predictable, exactly. There's Mm -hmm. a catalog that you know they're going to be shopping from. Whereas someone who's fresh in off the street, even if they're a terrible fighter or easy to beat... They're a force of chaos. (laughs) Exactly. They're they're pure chaos. You don't (laughs) know what they're going to do because they have not been taught all of those little things, you know, that you're supposed to learn while you're learning that martial art. And the same thing is true in gaming, that new players, they don't know that things are supposed to work a certain way. They don't have that written and unwritten cultural tradition that a seasoned gamer has. They just do the most random crap and have the most random ideas that if you are not set in your ways, adds so much life to the game. That That is key. You have to have a, a somebody running the game who was willing to be like, okay. Yeah, like, to allow that's, it. To, to like let it work because there's no reason for it not to work and it's awesome. Yeah, and, and I'm sitting here thinking as we're playing this game, I'm like, there's mole people underneath the town, but we've actually dug out some areas around the town in other games for reasons that would be longer than they are interesting for reasons but (laughs) the point is we have some idea of what's beneath the town and this town's been there for about 20 30 years it was relatively recently built but it wasn't built yesterday nor was it built 2000 years ago and so there should be a pretty good idea of what is and isn't down there but i'm like you know what Ah, let's just go with this let's just have fun with this and and let's just (laughs) see how it works out we just never met mole people every time we're down here and so we got into 
one of the inner chambers. I don't remember how we got there. If we fought our way, bluffed our way, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we got our way into the inner chamber and we found like the queen of the mole people and her elite guard and all this stuff. And we're getting ready to negotiate (laughs) to try and talk her to like, can you go dig somewhere else? Like, (laughs) we'll get the druid to do like summon grub swarm or something. Can you just go away? Just do this elsewhere, (laughs) not underneath our city. I mean, there's this huge, huge expanse of land out here where you could dig and deal with a threat for us, or even just find a neutral area and not be undermining the foundations of our walls like a bunch of sappers. Did you have to kill a bunch of mole people? We did. Oh, my gosh. But what's hilarious is before the Shopping before heads. the big brawl starts, the the queen of the gnolls... And, or, moles? Excuse me. The queen of the moles. I got, I got a lot of gnolls on the brain. So, But the, the queen... Uh, Narl's fighting his way to the top. The persona versus the persona trying to take this episode over. But so we're down there talking to these mole people. We're trying just to convince them to leave. And the queen then starts to tell us the backstory of her people. Now, this is going to lead to my second point. Oh, so I'm going to ice Lord. that. Okay. It gets okay. awesome. But I'm going to ice this for a moment because okay. this is part of my right. second topic. But in my first topic, just about how awesome it is to game with new people, because you don't know what the hell they're going to do, the queen says to us that, well, it's a tradition, it's part of our people's ways, that your champion has to fight our champion to decide what's going to happen. Oh, boy. So I'm thinking, okay, this is pretty straightforward storytelling. This is Klingons, whatever. I mean, any number of things would do this. So we pick someone from our side to be our champion, and the queen then goes, and I can't do it because he's quite a bit younger, has not had puberty yet. So he's got a higher pitch voice to begin with. And then he was doing a falsetto on top of that. And being a middle-aged guy with acid burns to his throat, I can't pitch my voice this high. All right, So just imagine this in this like super chipmunky voice. <laughs> of the queen goes, bring in Swolmold. <laughs> And the whole table about falls out of their chairs laughing. And so in comes Swolmole, who is exactly what age too. I'm sorry, that's who's exactly what you would expect. A giant Swolmole. So yeah, it's like I said. Imagine like skipped late day all arms and the voice that he uses for this. It's like Simon from the Chipmunks. It's like call it Swolmole and. Cool. You know, the room starts shaking as this big jacked mole man <laughs> walks into the room and we're dying. It's like, holy crap, none of us saw this coming. <laughs> I mean, the champion fight, sure. Right. But a swole mole. I mean, it's going to be their fastest, their most experienced, their trap nah. maker. No, no, no. Nah. It's swole mole. He's, he's the one who just tastes like creatine. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. the gym, skips leg day. Yeah, he's got all the acne. And- Wasn't there, okay, now I'm going way back. Isn't there like this version of this in Rescue Rangers? There's like a rat like this, right? I know in... Uh, at least uh, what uh, the Scrooge McDuck show. Uh, oh yeah, uh, DuckTales, DuckTales, DuckTales has one. And DuckTales yes. are mole people that used to rob his vault. That were, yeah, one yeah, of them yeah. was like all built up. Okay, so my brain was just. I, no, I don't know if that's where he got it because he's, yeah, he's probably a bit young to still, have, or too young. For yeah, to have well, seen DuckTales. DuckTales came back. Yeah. Oh no, but I don't think they are in the remake. Because that's I don't know. I never watched last, it. It's actually yeah, I haven't watched it. Right? No, I have nothing against. So we we fight and defeat Swolmol, and then other things <laughs> happen, and whatever. But once again, I cannot stress that just the chaos 
of the unexpected ass grabs that you're going to get from (laughs) someone who is new to the game. I wonder if it's not in an unwelcome way. No. I mean, they could be. In this case. Happy accidents. But I I wonder if it also has to do with age. I don't know. Once you're older, it's like you don't feel like you can be as... I don't know. Because I've had both experiences. Because I've had older people who are just new at it, who are like, you know, in their 30s and are just like... I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to try this. And it's awesome. Yeah, like it, true. Maybe it's just different. Maybe it's not as imaginative, but it's still imaginative in a different way. I don't know how to describe it. The ones I've dealt with, it's like, they're almost unsure. Well, there was an so older conservative. So, I don't know if you remember this, but last year at Fear the Con, yeah. there was an older couple that was not there for the con originally, but somehow ended up in the con. I don't remember the story. Oh yeah, didn't they come into the one with my kid? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't remember what they were there for. If they were people that someone bumped into at a gas station, I think I or... talked to them and they just were at, around the hotel and saw that it was yeah. there. But they're also gamers. They were gamers, just not seasoned it, or had been a long. Uh, time. Yes, yeah, so if they yeah. were, they're definitely not seasoned yeah. because. One of the games they got into is they got into a game that someone was running based on Skies of Glass. And it was actually based on the AP that we'd had going for Skies of Glass. Now, for anyone that didn't listen to that AP, one of the sort of morally gray groups in there, they all had code names that were animals. And so the group took to calling them the zoo. And everyone... At the table, I was not running this game. Somebody else was. But everyone at the table had these cards that had secret objectives on them. So their characters were all after something in particular. In the middle of the game, not understanding what was going on exactly, one of these older people looks at their card and says, So, is there a zoo in this city? Because I'm looking for that for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and so they thought it was like a literal zoo. Well, that was like a literal yeah, zoo, yeah. Because they didn't get what it was. Yeah, okay. I think that actually has a lot to do with it. Like, whether or not you have a framework for whatever is yeah, going maybe. on changes what how you approach things. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most, and I, I don't have an exact story here because I can't remember the details, but one of the most fun I've had with a new gamer recently, this was actually a friend of ours who was, this is like one of his first or second times playing D&D, and we were, we were playing 5th edition, you know, and... And he ended up playing a character who could cast spells. I think he was a bard. And it was one of those things where he was like, I see this spell. I don't remember. It was probably ghost sound or something like that, where you could create, you know, sound illusions. Mm. And usually, like, a a seasoned gamer can, like, use that as a specific distraction or, like, I create the sound of footsteps over here. Or the spell description itself has some examples. And usually people stick within that you Those know, examples. framework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, I, and I honestly cannot remember what he did, but whatever he wanted to do was like beyond the bounds of normally what somebody would do with the spell. And that the GM did. He had to pause and go, yeah, I don't know why that wouldn't work. And that's awesome. So we're doing it. Like right, it's, right. That, that works. But so it, it really depends on how much somebody like has context for mm-hmm. whatever they're experiencing. Yeah, I yeah. remember my first D&D game, which wasn't really D&D because Chad was running it. But <laughs> there were so many things that happened during the course of that game because I had no D&D context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about it. And going in, ended up having like my character. I took all of these things because I thought I'd be fighting with a rapier and was doing no damage. And then the one time I get a frying pan, 
it does way more damage. It does a lot so of damage. So he starts using a frying pan because it does more damage than a sword. And I remember, like, the spell you're talking about, the equivalent of that, I used in a camp where there's multiple different species of, I think there were gnolls and uh, dwarves or something, all in the camp together. And I use it to basically generate a race riot within the camp. <laughs> where, you know, one of them start doing, uh, basically send the sound over and have it saying offensive things about gnolls to to the gnolls, making it sound like it came from the dwarves. Mm-hmm. And then the dwarves get offensive things about dwarves from the gnolls until they all start infighting and then we can rush in and do what we were going to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if the spell could actually do that in Pathfinder, but... It was Chad. The rules didn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you right. Just do and and the dis- whatever description of it or whatever brief introduction to that you had gave you an idea and you went with it. And that yeah. is the best part about new gamers. Yeah. Is they don't have the full story, so they just make it up. They just do what they, it, yeah, whatever they think. being awesome. So True. I didn't think about it that way. The other point that I got from this game is a bit of, as much as I hate these pop site phrases, give yourself <laughs> some permission. Because one of the things we've talked about many times over is that what matters in a story is not external consistency it's internal consistency all right in other words let's take star wars how does a lightsaber actually work oh my god it doesn't matter don't even let me and talk every to time people have tried to design one or explain one in terms of real world technology or they have and tried it just ends yeah it just gets dumber and dumber and dumber But we understand within the lore what a lightsaber does. You press a button, a beam of energy about three feet long comes out, and it makes noises and for some reason is capable of blocking some physical objects, but not others. But it doesn't cauterize wounds all the time. Sometimes sometimes it it does. does. Yeah, Yeah, and it can can burn through bulkheads, but doesn't burn the hand of the person Person holding holding it. it. You know. Because it should be like 1,500, 2,000 degrees to do that. But we understand what it does because it's internally consistent. It's been used to cut doors more than once. All right. So that's what internal consistency is. It's just the elements of a story always work the same way, even if they have no basis in reality. In D&D, Magic Missile always does what Magic Missile do, even if we cannot replicate that in reality in any meaningful way, contrary to what... Patricia Pauline thought. But where I want to go with this and what this game brought out is that internal consistency works even if the individual facts are otherwise nonsense. All right, so phrase another way, nonsense ultimately is or creates its own internal consistency. I'm an anime fan. I'm familiar with this. (laughs) I have to... A lot of animes you sit down and watch make no, no logical sense. sense. But as long as they're consistent with what yeah. they present yeah. and you're willing to go with it, you can have a lot of fun. So yeah, would, I mean, there's like a whole show on cooking. So like- <laughs> when we went into the mole caverns beneath the city. With the swole mole. With the swole mole. Got it. And we've got all these questions like, how long have they been there? How did nobody notice them digging these warrens? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things, they just become self-solving mysteries within the context of what's going on. And let me give you an example. When we were underneath the city in these warrens, one of the first things we looked at was, how old does this place appear to be? What does it appear to be made out of? And one of the things we were told is, based on the surroundings and some rolls we made, 
that it appears that this place has only been here for about six months. Okay, that's fair. But then when we go on to the Queen's Chamber and start getting the quote-unquote story of their people before the great battle with Swolmole, <laughs> we are told that, like, as she's sitting there trying to defend her reason for being there, she's shrieking at the party about how this is their ancestral homeland and they've been here for generations and well, I mean, they dug these tunnels like... <laughs> centuries ago and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) We were just told 30 minutes ago, this place has only been here six months. Now, a lot of GMs at this point would panic. (laughs) But instead, he just took it in stride. We're like, you know what? These moles are either lying or insane. (laughs) (laughs) Or they're they're completely lost. That they think they're in their ancestral homelands, and in truth, they're someplace they've never been before. Well, that's what, what are they going to do? Send up swole mole to check the landmarks? Maybe their life expectancy, <laughs> it is generations? That's We, we, <laughs> we floated that one, too. Maybe they're short-lived. Yeah. Maybe they're really long-lived. Maybe they've been in another realm where time travels differently. Right. Yeah. Right. Or maybe they perceive time differently. Or, right. or yeah. they're just the same. Yeah. I'm not fine with that. Or they're really dumb. And they're <laughs> that's not... Like they just don't know. They don't understand the concept of time. They yeah. thought they were digging in a certain direction and instead made a left wow. in Albuquerque or whatever. Like, <laughs> line. Up in Timbuktu and, yeah. you know, and just ended up Bugs Bunny style in the wrong place. But we just rolled with it. It's like all of this is kind of not lining up at all, but it still lines up. You just create a new reality out of it. The, and, this this mess gives birth to its own life. And yeah. I think that's, in, that's important that you were all willing to go along with it. You weren't asking for a reasonable explanation. You were asking for any explanation, and you were willing to just incorporate it into what was going on. Yeah. So he didn't have to be logical. He didn't have to come up with something that made internal sense, because you were willing to just be like, we can incorporate that. Yeah, and it it takes a group to do that, too, because if you even have two rules Nazis who are like, no! Or setting lawyers. (laughs) Yeah, or or, setting lawyers, or anything like that, that just won't allow that internal consistency to be fun, to be different, to be outside the realm of known things. I mean, we could have stopped the game right there and thrown a fit of like, well, how can they claim that this is generational when you just told us they've only been here six months? And if this was my game and I was writing the game notes for it, it would bug me right? because I'd be like, well, wait a minute. Here I say they've only been here six months. But over here I say their motivation for being here is that they've had these tunnels for generations. I need to fix this. Yeah, you have to try to square that circle in your own logic. He didn't. But he didn't, yeah. Which actually, instead of leaving it as A and B contradicting each other, it instead introduced a third data point of why aren't they able to keep a story straight? Why are they here and think? that they've been here for generations and we know they've only been here six months. Right. And so that just created this third data point that actually added to the background and understanding of these mole people. And we never worked out what that deficiency was, but if we ever counter them again, we know apparently either their sense of direction, the reckoning of time or their honesty or something is really freaking off. We also know that apparently the champion battle against Swolmole will not resolve the issue if they lose. <laughs> that we will then go on to have to fight them anyway. So I remember one of the first campaigns I was running, I had an idea in mind, something that it involved a little bit of time travel and such. And I introduced it into game, very trickling out the clues for it. Mm-hmm. 
my players knew I was a new GM and they thought I was giving them inconsistency, so they were being super nice and not pointing it out. When it's supposed reality, to be clues. Yeah, when I was trying to give them clues, they were going along with it, like, yo, he must have messed that Goodness up. Goodness gracious, I guess this is read the table in reverse. Yeah. Because the players don't have to read the GM. Because we picked up pretty quickly that this contradiction was inconsequential. But what would have happened if we had treated it as inconsequential, but it was, in fact, actually meaningful that that contradiction was intentional to the story. Yeah, in my case, what I had to do was take my very light clues that they had picked up on, but they thought I was just not keeping my things together. I had to give them a clue by four. Oh, yeah. And make them realize, no, no, this This was was intentional. intentional. All of this was deliberate and matters. I mean, I get that, though, when you're when you're a new GM. Your players don't necessarily know what you know. Right. So, I mean, it makes sense, but also... Well, and you can also do... Yeah, and that you might not have known or, or done it on purpose. Right. I've definitely... Exactly. Some of my early games have some massive... Plot I holes? Even, I wouldn't even call them plot holes because there wasn't enough of a plot to, Pl- like, plot, leave a hole. Plot canyons. Like, I think at one point <laughs> I just was, like, I found stats for something and there was an encounter I designed where they were fighting a bunch of goblins and also... A Nazi with a Luger, because I had stats for it, and it sounded cool. <laughs> and I have no idea why these two things went together, but he was in charge of those goblins, and I was just Time like, travel. go with it. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, there can be things like that, where the GM doesn't yeah. have an explanation, yep. but... Suddenly there are Gazis or Noblins. Yeah. And you know what? You don't need an explanation if it's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's just cool. I thought it was fun, and that was the way why I put it in the game. But well, it's as long like, as the players think it's fun too, as long as everybody's yeah. having a good time. I mean, sure, who cares? Yeah. Roll with it. Yeah, shake it off. But that then becomes counterproductive when, like Wayne, there was yeah, a yeah, specific yeah. reason for it, <laughs> and it had a purpose. Yeah, in that case, it was things that they were being told didn't line up timeline wise because there was time travel involved that they yeah. didn't know about, and so like they're just like, oh, he's. He mixed up his dates. That's okay. I will say that I've been, and Mary, we've both been on a different aspect of this where we have newbies Mm -hmm. who are almost so intimidated playing with non-newbies that they don't make any actions. And then I feel like I'm running the game. Like you were GMing and I'm like, I guess I'll make all the decisions because nobody wants to make decisions because whether they're nervous or whatever. So I feel like you can you can definitely get a mixed bag when it comes to those new players where they're almost too timid to try anything. Or they're worried they don't know the setting or whatever. So like I feel yeah, like they're, they're too worried about making a wrong move that they don't yeah, make any moves. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I'm like, no, let's just do whatever you want. And even if it's stupid, sometimes I'll be like, let's do that. Right. Well, you know? That is one thing I I gave as advice when I was a new player, still just fresh on the show. Mm-hmm. I remember giving that advice out of let your new players make what you think are mistakes. Mm-hmm. And remember at that time, I had a whole table of season players that just had these ideas of, well, everyone wants to play a dragon in a game. You don't want to be a dragon. And that wasn't one of mine. But right. things like that is like, well, I want to try these things. I want to make these mistakes because I haven't experienced that yet. Yeah, or like playing. It's not a trope to you. It is exactly. a new idea. Yeah. Or like playing an evil character or whatever. I mean, think about some of your gaming stories in your brain. It's never like we fought some dude in an alley. It's we fought Swomel or, you know, some version of that. You're always like the mistakes you make as a player 
that turn out amazing are the things you remember the most. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Solmol, I don't think, is going. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to forget him anytime soon. That may be my dying phrase. Let's say Solmol one last time and then. <laughs> Then onto the beyond. It's your Kurt Russell. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? You remember in the Gnarl game, Lemnol. Yes. Chad just wanted a big dub guard and gave us the name Lemnol, and we just latched was, on it. He was your friend. Yeah, he suddenly became this NPC that we just kept dealing with, and he was a throwaway character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. But like Chad needed a name real quick, and he's like, Lemnol. <laughs> There's a bit of philosophy slash logic that I want to introduce here, and it's going to it's make them across overly academic, but it ties directly into this subject. And specifically, what I want to talk about is what a contradiction actually is. We tend to use the word contradiction or contradict or some conjugation thereof entirely too casually. Because a lot of things where we say you contradict yourself or these two things contradict each other, in fact, don't. Now, internal consistency does require that whatever you're saying internally is free of contradiction. Okay, Ryan Johnson or Rian Johnson or however that you pronounce his name, introducing hyperspace kill vehicles and his Star Wars movie. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if you could hear the eye roll, but Uh, there was a lot of them. You could have taken an astromech droid, strapped it to a a hyperdrive, and sent it at the Death Star and hit anywhere on the Death Star. But it would have impacted with effectively infinite what's called apparent mass. It would have destroyed it. You didn't need to attack it, ever. Yeah, we didn't need all the movies. Right. (laughs) And anyway, but the point is that Something that was specifically said cannot be done, now suddenly could be done. That's a contradiction. I'm going to explain why it is. But the moles are not. The six months versus generations is not a contradiction. Let me show you why. All right, so our proper definition of a contradiction comes from something called Aristotle's Law of the Indiscernibility of Identicals. All right, this is typically more often just called the Law of Non-Contradiction. All right, but here's how it works. In order... For two claims to contradict each other, they must meet three criteria. They must assert something and its opposite, or something that excludes the former, okay? For the same subject, at the same time, and in the same sense. Now, let me explain those individually. Right now, I am wearing a, I guess we'll call it what, Heather Gray shirt with green writing on it, okay? So, if we left here tonight, and I went to Wayne and said, Wayne... What color shirt was a host wearing? Well, you could look at Mary's shirt and say, well, kind of a steel gray blue, which is not the color of my shirt. Well, it's not a contradiction because you're not talking about the same subject. All right, same time. If while eating dinner, I had spilled something on myself and switched shirts, if you said I was wearing a Heather Gray shirt, and let's say I changed into a red shirt, and Julia says, no, he's wearing a red shirt, you'd both be right because you're talking about the same subject, but at different times. The third and final one is where people tend to screw up, which is the same sense. This shirt is both heather gray and green. It is so in different ways or in different manners. If the shirt was reversible, it's not. But if I could turn it inside out and inside was a purely blue fabric, then you could also say the shirt was blue, which is true. It is just blue versus gray versus green in different manners or in different senses. All right, so let's go back to the moles. Well, we saw through obviously successful rolls, I mean, it was like a nat 20 check, that the cavern was only about six months old. The moles 
clearly in common, told us they had been there for what sounded like decades, if not centuries, if not millennia. Is this a contradiction? No, because what we observed were physical facts. What they said is a cultural memory Mm -hmm. or a truth claim, but what we observed was not contradicted by what they said because it's not the same thing. Because what they said, we are not only talking about the memory of what they chose to claim and maybe believe as opposed to what we empirically observed. So the age of these caverns could be ancestral or it could be the past few months. Not only one of these is true, and but these you have not empirically observed their actual history. Right. There is no contradiction because, you, yeah. because in yeah, this yeah. case, it is those two claims were delivered in a different sense or manner. So one is an empirical observation of the environment. The other was what a mole said. These true claims don't contradict each other. So we are not left with A or not A, okay? so we're, or X and not X, or whatever variable names you want to use here. We are instead left with something else. What we observed was A. What the moles told us was B. This is what I meant when I said that nonsense can breed a new level of consistency or information because squaring A with B required us to introduce the third fact of C. What is C? Are the moles lost? Is there a sense of time off? Are they from another dimension? Were they yanked out of this reality by a wizard spell or some rift in the universe? And in truth, they have been here in a parallel dimension. Or they were here last they remember, but that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah, I can come up with probably 20 different ways to make those square. Yeah. yeah. Because they are, like you said, they are two very different data points. You know, if, for example, they were saying these caves are six months old and someone else said these caves are 2000 years old, that would be a little harder to square. But like you're saying, these are two very different things. And I can come up with, like I said, at least 20 different yeah, reasons why both could be true. Yeah, even if you looked at different portions of the cave. Yeah. Maybe one portion of the cave is only six months old and one portion of the cave is centuries old. But in this case, it didn't matter because the truth A of empirical evidence, truth B of the mole's claim, brings in at least one other truth. And now, of course, that other truth then spawns a whole new chain of truths. Well, if they're lying, why are they lying about this? If they're lost, why are they lost? If they were in another dimension, who put them there? And how did they end up back here? What changed to bring them back? So do you see how from point C of why this exists, why this is true, if we had chased that down and if he had given us some, as Swole Mole had torn reality Superboy style, (laughs) and that was the, the claim here, Well, now we have a whole bunch of subsequent questions. So now you can introduce truth D and truth E and truth L. This is kind of in the same way that two points only make a line, but three points make an entire plane, and it can contain anything you want it to. The cavern Mm -hmm. is really the shape of Swomol having busted through the wall, and they (laughs) all came behind him trying to pose in the same way that Swomol did. Yeah, it's like muscle march for moles. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put that in the show notes. Tetris. In case anyone's not been with us long enough to know what Muscle March is, it is its own emotion, by the way. It's not just a product. Emotion? Emotion, yes. To to observe Muscle March is to feel something that humans do not normally feel. 
it's sort of like how people are on like spirit journeys, like ayahuasca or something. They experience things they say are outside of normal human experience. That's what muscle march is. So just be forewarned before you go click that video that okay. it will take you about five minutes to refine this plane of existence after you watch <laughs> it. But that is the biggest thing we lost when the Wii went away. We lost Muscle March. I know. I wanted to have a Muscle March tournament at a Fear the Con, but it... We still have a Wii. Well, the problem is the game is all buggy, and because it didn't sell a lot of copies, they never never fixed fixed it. it. Mm -hmm. So that's the issue. Otherwise, we absolutely would have. But anyways, getting back on point, that nonsense doesn't break the game down. Mm -hmm. In its own way, it actually builds it up. In fact, because of the way the West March's games work, where GMing is a lot of yes and between gms were not allowed to contradict each other i could come back now and explore that even if sam sam thank you i forgot his pseudonym has never explained this we could go back or i could go back or another gm could go back and say hey this is why they think they were there for that long even though in truth the tunnel's only six months old because there was this illusion or this tearing of reality or this reason why they were lost somebody intentionally redirected them or cast a spell that changed their perception of magnetic north or i don't know what i will fully admit i have had subplots in my campaigns because i screwed up and the players noticed it and saw it as an inconsistency and started to investigate yes and then it became a subplot and became a thing because that was easier and or more consistent than admitting that you just you'd screwed you up. Yeah. No, and not, not even that. Because they were interested in the inconsistency. Well, yeah. Their their interest in my screw up provided me opportunity to give a better story. No, I completely that agree. Yeah. And and that's and that's what I hope we're conveying in this episode. Because I mean that's my central thesis here is that nonsense not only creates its own consistency it invites its own consistency and also invites and creates its own new data it's or at least the placement for new data and so don't get too upset about that if you either do it yourself or experience it i mean really sit down and say okay was this actually a contradiction or has somebody just been out of socket because they can't personally square the two facts there's always the opportunity to introduce a conspiracy. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, as, as Chaos is a force in everything. It really is. I mean, maybe even when we were looking at the walls, maybe that was the illusion. Maybe they want the walls to look younger than they are. I don't know. Yeah. There's something we've said on this show before, which is that we really don't consider something to be truth until it's given narratively by the GM. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah. NPCs can claim all kinds of things. Empirical evidence can mispresent itself until the GM, by fiat says X is X, then X could be anything. Because well, anybody can be lying. Yeah. Or anybody can be wrong. Or, or deceived any, or yeah. who knows what, or missing data points. Yeah. So That's one of my big things. NPCs lie, but NPCs also can be wrong. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So check the show notes. I'm going to put a link to the Kickstarter, a link to the all-important Muscle March trailer, and I'll also put a link to a some kind of primer on what is and isn't a contradiction. And I'm not doing this purely to be pedantic. 
I mean, partially, purely, yeah, partially, purely, yes, purely being the keyword. Broder's older brother had a saying, I completely agree with it, that the only people that know what a pedant is are one. I, yeah, I've definitely Probably. borrowed that, and it's totally true. Yeah, yeah, it's completely true. But I'm not trying to be totally pedantic. There is value to this, because if you think you have contradicted yourself in a game, or you think your game master is contradicting themselves, or one of your players is contradicting themselves it might be helpful to know what a contradiction is because you might be able to yes and your way into a way of solving the problem. Or heck, do the GM some favor and as a fellow player take the heat off. When one player says, well, wait a minute, you said six months over here and generations over here, you as another player can say, well, wait a minute, what if there's an illusion? What if they're lost? What if they're lying? What if what if we're being deceived? Right. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities and so I'll put a link to that because I think it's worth knowing simply as a tool in your tool bag for fixing your own games on the fly by backing up and realizing you don't need to panic in the first place because an apparent contradiction is not the same as an actual contradiction. So with all that in mind, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope to see you in June. And one way or another, we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2023. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.